Welcome to the promo for the Marble Orchard Podcast, the weekly podcast that explores emerging mysteries of the American Southwest, hosted by me, Prickly Pete, and my co-host, Faye Daniel. And we're not just another true crime podcast, we also discuss history, unexplained events, and local monsters. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast listening app. Welcome to Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. This episode is sponsored by Lola. And we are your hosts. Ghostesses. Ghostesses. Sabrina. And Corinne. And we're here to talk to you about some ghost stories and uh, maybe spook you out. Corinne, are your closet doors closed? No. Do you want to go close them? It's okay. It's daytime. That's and true. my neighbors are home. Like, I can hear them upstairs. Okay. The little boy Gianni running back and forth. Well, then so you know, if anything happens, yeah. I'll just yell for them. You know you know what the noises are then. Yes, I do. I'll blame everything on them. It's funny. Someone tweeted at us last night saying that they're too scared to go to the bathroom alone now. Oh, no. So I was like, should we make rules for listening to our podcast? Maybe not at night. Yeah, maybe... Always have a buddy system going. It's hard, though, because, it, like, you can watch stuff or listen to things during the day, but then when it comes nighttime, mm-hmm. you still think of them. I know. So. Sweet dreams. I'm made of this. <laughs> I'm made of ghost stories. Wait, what? So I know I've referenced this book before. It's called The Psychopath Inside by James Fallon. He's a neuroscientist, and he basically learns while studying brain scans that he himself has a similar brain makeup as psychopaths, so he's a psychopath. What? Um, But there's one part where they reference basically a ghost, like a ghost solving their own murder almost. Because So his, his cousin wrote a book called killed strangely the death of rebecca cornell it actually may not have been his cousin (laughs) i don't know i think maybe his cousin found out that they were related to to rebecca cornell and then so he's reading this book and basically rebecca i'll just read this part rebecca lived in a large house on a 100 acre plot along the narragansett bay in rhode island sorry rhode island With Thomas and his family. One night after dinner, she was found charred and smoldering near the fireplace in her bedroom, almost unrecognizable. Originally, the death was decreed as an unhappy accident, but Rebecca's brother was soon visited by an apparition suggesting foul play. Thomas, financially dependent on his mother, had not always gotten along with her and was at times abusive. Rebecca's body was exhumed for a closer examination, and a suspicious wound was found on her stomach, the result of a possible stabbing. Despite weak evidence, Thomas was convicted and hanged. Whoa. So an apparition came back and was like, yo, she didn't just fall in the fireplace. Check her out. It's like Zona Houston shoe. It is. It reminded me a lot of that, but Wait, I was like, oh amazing. my god. Yeah. Why don't more so, ghosts come back 
and help solve their murders. I bet they do, but it's like it's, it's hard to trust it. It's hard to trust it because yeah. think of all the like, the money or the time that goes into exhuming a body and reexamining it. That's true. And if it's just like, well, I had a dream. That's like the one thing that I wish I was tuned into. Yeah. Because I've, I mean, I've referenced it before on here and I've told you that like I do get feelings and I know when things are happening or are going right. to happen, but I don't know the details. Right. Like I'll know that someone's about to die or that someone's mm. in critical condition or something's about to happen in the area that I'm in, but I can't say oh, it's going to be a car accident or right. it's going to be this person or whatever. I just, yeah. I just have a feeling. It's kind of like a bad omen. Which is our topic for mm-hmm. this week. And speaking of bad omens, someone commented, one of the listeners commented on one of our social medias about the Mothman. Mm-hmm. And apparently people in Chicago have been seeing the mothman yeah and the mothman is a bad omen it's like this humanoid creature that looks like a giant moth and he's appeared before and oftentimes been associated with disasters so like if if you see the mothman within that year or something in that area something awful will happen yeah and people have been reported seeing him for a while now in chicago yeah and they're they're suspecting or they're speculating that there there may be multiple mothmen because of how many sightings there have been and how far away the different areas the locations are from each other so they're thinking that there might be like two or three in chicago yikes that's scary honestly i just wish i had a smarter brain and i could build a spaceship and just go live in space that is like the last thing that I wish for. <laughs> Why do you want to live in space? Space freaks me out. Because I would love to die in space. You should tweet at Elon Musk and ask him to build me to a spaceship with him. Hey Elon, will you build me a spaceship? I know I'm a stranger, but it's my dream. <laughs> Out of the kindness that can be his of charity, your heart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> taking you to Mars with him. No, I want my own spaceship. I don't want to go with anyone. Oh, my God. Just Leia. Leia and Nick can come You're going to go crazy. We'll have Leia and Nick. You told me that we weren't allowed to be in a cabin together because we'd go crazy, and now you want to go on a spaceship alone? <laughs> yeah, I guess there's some flaws in my thinking. Or is it just me? Do you not trust me? (laughs) (laughs) It might also be that. I mean, your collection of books are all. (laughs) They're informative. Yes. On how to cover up a murder. You know what? It does seem that way. But when I read them, it's more me studying how not to get murdered. Right. And how to survive. Should I talk about my bad omen? I think, I think yes. There are so many. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's the throwing the salt. There's a lot of the bad luck sort of. There's what bad else omen there? stuff. There's mirrors, ladders. Certain numbers. Seeing a doppelganger hanging a horseshoe upside down. Putting shoes on the table. That's what Brianna said. Yeah. There's saying certain words. Seeing a priest walking on the street apparently is a bad omen. What? 
in the Greek Orthodox religion, if you see a priest walking in the street, it's supposed to be a bad omen. That's Christina. Christina is Greek Orthodox. So the omen I did are clocks and watches. I've never heard that. So if a clock or a watch breaks, you're doomed to have bad luck or misfortune, or in some awful cases, you might die. If it breaks. So it has to break. It's not just like you need to change the battery. Yeah. And these are more on like the old, more antique clocks and watches. Like not it's not really for the regular old digital clock you have next to your bed or your phone doesn't count. So a lot of these omens, I feel like, apply more to the days before more modern technology. But if you have an antique watch or old grandfather clock or one of those cuckoo clocks on your wall, beware because don't let them break. So it is believed that a watchmaker who would make the watch or the clock would, because they make it with their hands, their own two hands, that a piece of their soul would be placed within the object. So if it broke, it would mean breaking the soul of that watchmaker as well. So that's where the curse would come from. Uh, If you fix the watch immediately, you can restore your luck. But if you leave it broken, then someone would die and you would have bad luck. So another belief is that when you die, your favorite clock will stop at the time that you died. And there are a lot of stories where people will find that all of their clocks or watches in their home have stopped at a specific time. And it's usually at the time a family member has passed away. Well, it reminds me, I know I've said it before, in Marissa's house in San Diego, they have a certain clock And the person that had previously owned their house before had passed away in the month of October. And in the month of October, every year, the clock goes backwards. The time moves backwards. Wow. So maybe he just, he's like attached to that item. Yeah, it could be. And it's a reminder. I read a story where a family lost like their, their dad and... In the months following, their house started going crazy. Like an old clock would chime a bunch of times and things would move around. There'd be noises and it was just a ton of paranormal activity. And finally, the kid had a dream and it was the dad. And when he woke up from the dream, the clock started chiming. So he was, he had the confirmation that it was his dad. Oh my gosh. His dad gave him the sign. But that's only the only nice story I read about clocks breaking. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. The belief of clocks stopping when you died came from a lot of old clocks were very stubborn and only the owner really knew how to work it. So they would break if someone died. Oh, so it was just like a natural progression. Yeah. Like it, it was just kind the of the life of a clock. Right. Without the person to operate it correctly, it would just stop working. Wow. Seems um, very tedious to own a, a clock. It's yeah. high maintenance. I know. Back in the day. Thank God for technology. Um, of digital time telling. Yeah. So people also believe that when someone died, you had to stop the clocks immediately in order to remind death that it had done its job and can move on. So people, wow. when they lost their family members, the first thing they would do in their grief would be to stop all of the clocks and watches in their house, which just seems like a lot of work and a big thing to remember when you're just devastated that you've lost someone in your I family. know. And, like, the panic, too, yeah. if you 
forget for a moment and then you realize and then you're frantic running around your house trying to take care of all the clocks and then you weren't allowed to reset them until after the funeral so after the body had been buried and like the death process had happened completely right so if you leave a broken clock broken for some time and then it chimes randomly again it means that someone is going to die in your presence or like it within that household oh my god If a clock chimes during a wedding ceremony or during a funeral, it also means death will soon follow. The legends all kind of exist going back to the whole watchmaker putting a piece of their soul in the clock. They believe that when it breaks, it kind of creates an astral vault, which opens up to energy and bad spirits and possibly like the spirit of death. Um, An astral vault. Yeah. I've never heard that terminology before, I know. but I kind of like it. Me too. It's kind of like a catapult to the astral mm-hmm. paranormal world. And I just picture like universe. a little swirly psychedelic wormhole and then you fall down and then you're like in this little container. Like Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So you can fix it. But if a watchmaker says that the clock or watch is unable to be fixed, then you would have to wrap the mechanisms of the watch inside a dark purple cloth because it was believed that the color of the dark purple matches the color of the dark moon, which would absorb all of the bad energy and prevent it from coming out into the world. Interesting. Yeah. There's also in ancient times, people thought watches had magical power and that witches could drain life from people. So if you had a watch and I was a witch... They believe that I could physically steal time from your watch, which would affect your life and steal time from your life. Oh, wow. So it's like sucking your soul a little bit of your lifespan away. It's like speeding, yeah, speeding the time up. But then they also believe that good witches could do the opposite and slow time for you and make your life longer. Oh, that's kind of them. Yeah. Oh, this this is what really shocked me, is that apparently you're not supposed to gift a watch to anyone because that is a bad omen. And basically, if you gift a watch to people, you're telling them that you want them to have bad luck and that you want them to die faster. That is an old thing. I know. That's antiquated because nowadays, does anyone buy themselves a watch? I feel like I – Yeah. Like that's like the go-to gift. It's like when someone – when a significant other or a parent is like, what do you want for your birthday or whatever? You say a watch because it's like a nice gift. and Right. I don't know. I'm going to think twice if I ever think about buying a watch for someone now because wa- apparently – so they believe time is a very personal thing and that if you have a watch, you are in control. I do believe it's antiquated, but I think like when you have a watch, you're in control of your life and you can – you know what the time is. You can follow your aspirations and your dreams and be in control of it. Whereas if someone's gifting you the watch, it's as if like they control your time. I get, I get where they're coming from. I do. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is very old because now we have phones and we always know what time it is. And you just have to, you have to like take these risks because the amount of bad omens or bad luck things, the list is endless. Right. So it's like, how do you go about living your life 
if you have to consider all of these thousand things that span across all these cultures that are considered bad luck, think of all the cats that wouldn't be adopted. Well, that's actually the one thing that I wanted to correct, is that black cats are actually good luck. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before. Yeah. They, yeah, it's a stupid old bad omen and ignore it, everyone. It's actually some of the best luck if you own a cat that's black. Or if you wear a black cat charm. Ooh. Or what was the other one? Or if you dream of a black cat, you'll have great luck. Well, that's good to know. So there was a sick man who went home one afternoon, and he walked into a room, and he heard an old clock strike once. He thought it was weird, but he didn't really think much of it. And then the next day, it happened again. The clock striked once. It was the same time, and so he turned to his wife and he said, I'm going to die. And two days later, he did. At that time? At that time. Oh, my gosh. Where was this? Well, there were multiple different stories. One happened in Australia. Then there was a man, a, a pastor, who went around and tried to confirm this, and he collected tons and tons of stories all over the place of people who at first didn't notice anything about anything weird about their broken clock chiming. And then there was one family who their father passed away after the clock chimed three times, three nights in a row. They didn't think anything of it. And then a year later, the broken clock chimed again. And two days later, someone else in their family died. And then they had to get rid of the clock because they were like, this is, this is the cause of it. So if you get rid of the clock, that's it. It's not like – because if you get rid of a haunted doll and just chuck it and throw it out, that does not end your bad luck. If anything, that makes it worse. Right. I mean, I think you should try the dark purple cloth thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. You could even escort the clock to a dump site. Yeah. And then lay it down nicely in a dark purple cloth. Yeah, there you go. Treat it very well. Blindfold it so it doesn't know where it's going. Blindfold a clock. (laughs) You have a clock sitting in your passenger seat, just wrapped in (laughs) dark purple cloth. You pull over at a gas station. People would think you're getting rid of a body. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. (laughs) Okay, Napoleon Bonaparte. So he... For people who aren't entirely familiar with him, he yeah, has I have a, no idea who he is. He's so he's a prominent figure who climbed the ranks and led several campaigns in the French Revolutionary War, and he became the Emperor of France in from eighteen o four until eighteen fourteen, and then he was exiled when the Allies invaded France, and he died on May fifth, eighteen twenty one. But not to move away from the story, yeah. But what? You just dis- it said, like, reconnecting for a uh-huh. moment, which is normal. Sometimes we go in and out of having service. But this time, there was a weird noise. On my end? Yeah. It went, shh. I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I, I don't get scared anymore now. You're in a safe space. You're in a building. I, where I other don't feel work. safe in this space at all. I'm. Well, I can see you, so I'm on the other end. If something happens, if it happens again, I'll 
I'll call you. It will be too late. It was just different because normally it just like stops when you don't have service and you obviously can't hear or see anything. But this time it was different. Okay. But Napoleon. Napoleon. If you don't know. You look like you're going to cry. I really do feel very um, on end right now. Um, But if you don't know who he is and my summary wasn't (laughs) enough. Go listen to Stuff You Missed in History class because they have they actually have an episode about Napoleon. Um, and this is not a history podcast. Anyway, so he was extremely superstitious and he believed in both good and bad omens because he experienced many himself. Uh, he believed his first wife brought him a lot of good luck and he credited her for all of his good fortune and winning all of the battles that he won. And when he was in line to be emperor there someone suggested that him and josephine divorce and annul their marriage and josephine kind of took advantage of the fact that napoleon thought he was he believed that she was his good luck charm and she said if they divorced she was afraid that she would bring him bad luck and so he changed his mind and didn't divorce her until like a few years later when he like had to in 1810 um there was one night in during the Italian campaign of 1796 through 1797, and Napoleon was carrying a portrait of Josephine, and one night it broke accidentally. Ooh. And Napoleon, like, just got so overwhelmed with dread and was like, something is wrong. Either Josephine is ill or she's having an affair. And sure enough, she was having an affair with another man. Napoleon also spoke to the Red Man, which is a... What? Who's that? It's a French demon, which was said to haunt Toiliers in France. He had appeared to Catherine de' Medici, Henry IV, like all of these critical, very important people in history during critical times in their lives and usually just before something bad was to happen and it was said that napoleon made a deal with the red man and kind of sold his soul to the devil in order to find success and he visited with the red man in his memoirs he wrote that he saw him three times and uh on the fourth time the red man warned him that he hadn't kind of met their deal yet and that he had given him four years to make peace or to end his conquest of europe but he wasn't doing it and that because he wasn't doing it something bad was going to happen to him by the end of the four years and that he would lose everything wow and napoleon got exiled in 18 no way at the end, yeah, he when the Allies took over, he was kicked out of his role as emperor and exiled to an island where he later died due to stomach cancer or unintentional arsenic poisoning. Unintentional arsenic poisoning? Yeah, I guess they like arsenic was in was more common and in, in things, and there was no real way to kind to tell if it was in the food you were eating. So, my god, what was happening back then? This is crazy. You couldn't give watches as gifts. Everyone was dying. Everyone was eating poison. Yeah. People were talking to the red man. Exiled everything. Yeah. I wonder if the red man had a French accent. 
Like, did he speak French? I guess probably. Probably. He probably was a French ghost, yeah. Which brings up another question. Do ghosts speak multiple languages? Do they just haunt the area where they speak that language? I feel like demons speak multiple languages and can speak whatever they need to speak. But, yeah, I mean, it's a question of, like, when you cross over, do you learn everything of the universe i don't think so i think you kind of i don't think i don't know because what if i like what if i i don't know what if i went to france and i passed away in france and i'm trying to speak english everyone's like oh i think you're kind of at a loss there then yeah i do maybe you can learn french as a ghost (laughs) that's the time i'll that will be the moment where I actually have time to learn a new language in death. In death, time is irrelevant. Small little fact. What? Which someone needs to fact check because I don't know the exact number. <laughs> so possible but fact. Th- somewhat half of a fact is that you and I are actually minorities because it's like 60-something percent of the world speaks at least two languages. I speak Pig Latin. I could speak Pig Latin too. Should we do an episode only in Pig Latin? I think that's the best idea we've ever had. <laughs> Who's on board? Only for people who went to middle school between the years 2000 and 2008. <laughs> yeah, we'll teach everyone else. <laughs> no, you know what we should do? We should just make up our own language. And start doing weird episodes where, like, no one understands it except for us. And then we'll send out, like, a code to all of our listeners, and they have to try to interpret what we're saying. People will think that we're becoming possessed. Okay. That whoosh was actually a demon that's now inside of me and now is going to speak all the languages. And that's what that weird swishing noise was. It was him entering your body earlier. Or her. Or her. Or her. Him or her. Not sexist. <laughs> demons. We don't know how demons work. Yeah, maybe they're sexless. Yeah. We don't know how they identify. Um, You know, I was thinking, what if every time you went to hang out with someone, you decided on a topic to research before hanging out <laughs> and went to hang out with them, and then you discussed this topic that you researched? Here are our conversation <laughs> yeah. points for the next time that we meet. I bet that that does happen maybe sometimes i mean it's what we do every week yeah it happens here this is what our podcast is two girls talking about planned things this is a speaking speaking of girls of women things girls have in common things girls need lola lola we need it it's a modern approach to feminine care the fda doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products so most of them don't right so major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products including rayon and polyester and their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents fragrance and dyes so the good thing about lola products are that they are 100 percent organic cotton mm-hmm. which makes your month a little bit easier not what you're putting easier. inside of you And the subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, the perfect mix of what size you need, absorbency, number of boxes, frequency of delivery. And I'm just saying, I'm putting this in there, that I wish I had this in college. Yeah. Because especially, like, in college, I didn't have a car, and 
like the convenience and of everyone just getting... goes to the same cvs and right. you're like picking up beer and then a whole cart full of tampons yeah and you're like hey boy that i think is cute in the corner like <laughs> no i wish that they were just delivered to me so right this would have been great yeah their subscription is super flexible you can change it skip it or cancel it anytime it's founded by women for women girl power they offer pads and liners as well as non-applicator tampons for those looking for a more environmentally friendly option so basically they rock and yeah it i'm a gets big delivered fan right to your door I'm a big fan of it because, I mean, I've referenced this before that I'm trying to become more environmentally friendly and better to the the world and then also my own body. So this is just like one more thing that contributes to bettering yourself and bettering the world. And you can get 60% off your first order by visiting mylola.com and enter TGOG for the promo code at checkout. So again... For 60% off your first order, go to mylola, that's M-Y-L-O-L-A dot com, and enter the promo code T-G-O-G. I'm going to have to probably get a subscription because this is super convenient. Speaking of a ticking biological clock. Well, thanks for reminding me <laughs> of both clocks haunting me and telling me that I'm going to die and that also I'm... My uterus is drying up. <laughs> uh, We've got being time. Being a woman is glorious. And if we run out of time, there's dogs and adoption and plants. And just being a bitchy old ghost. Woo! <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Well, should I go into mine? So I chose owls. Owls as omens. So owls are one of the oldest living birds on the planet. They've been around for 80 million years. And to put that into perspective, human ancestors popped up around 6 million years ago. So basically, 80 million years. Who run the world? Owls. Owls Owls do. (laughs) So since humans have come around, they've started pointing the finger at these owls and creating mythology around them. Depending on the culture, these legends are either positive or negative. So they can be viewed as both good and bad omens. Greek and Roman mythology associate owls with the goddess Athena. Okay, ancient Celtic mythology associates the owl with the Welsh goddess Bluedwyd. Sorry. Native Americans associate them with wisdom and protection and fertility, but then also, on the flip side, some Native American tribes associate them with death. Some tribes believe that the I know it's all over the place. It really just depends on, I guess, who's around you and where you're located. Some tribes believe that the bony circles around an owl's eye are made from the fingernails of ghosts. Do ghosts (laughs) have fingernails? I guess so. If you look at an owl, they do. What? African cultures believe that seeing or hearing an owl is a bad omen and a sign of death. And similarly, in Mexico, owls are viewed as being bad omens. For the story's sake, we're going to go to Mexico and listen to what they say about owls. Owls are thought to be able to fly between the land of the living and the dead, acting as messengers for the gods of death. Oh, my God. Seeing an owl is not only a bad omen, symbolizing evil and death, but seeing an owl near your home is a sign that someone is trying to harm you or that death will come. And there's a saying that goes, 
When the owl cries, the Indian dies. There's also a legend known as La Lechuza, which means the owl in Spanish. Uh, and it expands into some of the southern states as well. So like parts of Texas and probably like New Mexico, Arizona, those areas, they also believe in the legend of La Lechuza. And La Lechuza is a massive bird thought to be the size of a human with a 15-foot wingspan. No. So not unlike the Mothman, may I say. And it resembles an owl and has been seen with the face of a woman before as well. It's thought that these creatures are women who have sold their souls to the devil in exchange for magical powers. Other versions of the La Lechuza is that it was a witch who was murdered by villagers and is now out for revenge. And she's able to shapeshift and will fly around looking for her next target, which is often children. She'll make weird noises and sounds, like sounds of an infant crying, to lure people outside and to their death. And it's said that if you hear her whistle and you respond with a whistle, then she will swoop down and carry you away ultimately to your death she feeds on negative energy which is like a lot of the right. entities that we've discussed on the podcast and is often spotted waiting outside of homes where people are fighting inside she can also summon storms oh which draws on a similarity to the legend of the thunderbirds in north america so what can you do if you see la lechuza Nothing. Oh, good. Basically nothing. Wait, you know what I just thought of? <laughs> you were saying that they come when it's like fight when the people are fighting in a home or if there's bad energy. Mm-hmm. Everything bad comes during those times. So what, do you have like a swarm of the hat man, shadow people, Lalatruza, owls? Do you just have all of these bad things hanging out at your house when they're when you're fighting with someone? Maybe, and then whoever's most powerful at that moment is like, it's my turn, guys. I'm going Or in. they tag team it and say, let's go get them. You take the upstairs, I take Ugh. the downstairs. You take the front door, I'll get the back. That's a nightmare. <laughs> you should write that show, too. <laughs> Just everyone <laughs> dies in every episode. Don't get attached to the characters because they're not going to be <laughs> your next episode. They start to fight. Sorry. You know they're dying. Whoops. All right, well, Lolly Chuza is magical, and the legend goes that if you shoot her, she will not die, but instead you will die. So basically, it's like shooting yourself. And if you touch her, you will die. <laughs> and if you think you killed her, nope, she will come back to life. And when the sun rises, she will come, and you will die. So oh the gosh. only thing, really, that <laughs> you can do... Is die. Which is basically nothing. But the only thing that you can really do is hang a rope with seven knots outside of your front door, which shows her that you respect her and you mean no harm and you will not bother her. So she goes and does tortures other people. And then you, if you're being attacked by her, if you somehow have a combination of salt and chili powder in your pocket, you can throw it at her. I mean, I've only been to Mexico a few times, but maybe that's something people carry. I mean... Maybe after hearing this story, they will. <laughs> Just a little, like, dime bag of chili powder and, and salt. everyone takes their watches off after the, after this episode, too. <laughs> Just changing people's lives um, one omen at a time. Oh, God. So many bad omens. Also, 
on somewhat of an unrelated note, so not about La Lechuza, but just about owls. Owls have often been reported in alien abductions, with many people reporting that they see an owl before being taken. So that's a whole Twin other Peaks, thing. But. The show Twin Peaks. Did you watch Twin Peaks? So no. in Twin Peaks, there's an owl is very important to the show as well. And it, it's very like dimensional travel kind of theory stuff. Oh my gosh. No, I didn't. I haven't seen that. But anyway, so instead of finding, instead of finding a story of someone else's experience with owls, I am going to read our friend Marissa, who we reference all the time. I'm going to read her story, which is actually a second hand of someone else's story. So it's Marissa telling us someone else's story. But it's about but it has owls? to do. Owls are involved. <gasps> and Ouija boards. And all the and death. And omens. Ouija boards and owls are both bad omens. The story is packed with it. Okay. Are you oh ready? No. Okay. Hey, Sabs and Corn. Oh man, I'm literally, <laughs> I'm literally so happy for how great you gals are doing on Spotify and everything. Ugh, my heart. Mm-hmm. I laugh every time you mention Pearl or me in the podcast, and agree we need to get something on books so I can share my plethora of spooky happenings. Yes. Until then, your recent episode on Ouija boards reminded me of a story that I'm not sure I ever shared with either of you. Mm-hmm. It didn't personally happen to me, but to a couple of friends in high school, and it was enough to convince me to never touch one of those things. Oh, my gosh. So most people from high school probably know me as a goody-two-shoes nice girl. I always followed the rules. I didn't drink, do drugs, stay out past curfew. I didn't even cuss in high school. LOL, how the times have changed. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) our semester – one semester – I found myself in class with a couple of students that were the complete opposite me in every single way. They drank, they did drugs, they had sex, they stayed out past curfew, etc., etc. Their names were Sarah and Alberto. They were a couple, and I found them absolutely fascinating. In no small thanks to alphabetical seat assignments, I ended up sitting right between them and quickly decided to befriend them. For being totally different, we got along swimmingly. In class on Mondays, they love to share their outrageous party anecdotes from the weekend with me. I definitely have to thank them for welcoming me out of my sheltered life that I lived. I really didn't have much to contribute in the area of crazy party stories, so I mostly just listened with wide, innocent eyes. One morning, their weekend recap started off in a very different way. They practically tripped over their feet, getting into their seats, breathlessly sharing, Marissa, you will never guess what happened this weekend. To add a little backstory, there's a wooded area near my hometown called Elfin Forest. There are tons of urban legends surrounding the land. Tales typically revolve around haunted spirits and the paranormal, including trees that bleed, a ghostly white lady that follows hikers through the trails, and Native American bodies hanging from trees. The most popular surround the twisting and winding Quest Haven Road. Quest Haven leads to what is commonly believed to be an abandoned, gated, insane asylum. I've only ever seen the entrance once, and it is eerie. There's an old wrought iron fence reading Elfin Forest with sleeping elves painted on it. Oh, that's creepy. Oh, that is creepy. Supposedly, behind the fence lies an acre of land and decaying building foundations. Goody two-shoes over here, so I've never ventured past the gate to see for myself. 
It doesn't stop others, though. It's a popular place for kids to sneak sneak in and get into trouble. So Saturday night, Sarah and Alberto, along with two of their friends, Caitlin and Spencer, decided to whip out the old Ouija board and head to ha- Quest Haven to summon some spirits and whatnot. While making the drive up, the weather started to act erratically. High winds, rain out of nowhere. The road carves through wooded area, so there are high trees and shrubbery surrounding them. It was dark, and Alberto said that he was beginning to get a sick feeling in his stomach. He was about to say something when, out of nowhere, a huge white owl swooped from the tree above, flew over the hood of their car, and up out of sight. Alberto immediately slammed on the brakes and told them that they weren't going any further. Apparently, there is some Mexican folklore about white owls, and she put the link to La Lechuza. Oh, my gosh. And then being really bad luck. Alberto wasn't going to take any chances, so they turned around and headed to Sarah's house. Once they were at Sarah's, they took out the Ouija board. After asking some initial questions to get going, they asked, was it a good idea for us to turn back around tonight? The planchette slowly moved up to yes. They asked why. It spelled out D-E-A-T-H. The planchette spelled out death. They cautiously asked who. Their hands began to spell out K-A-I-T. They immediately pulled their hands from the planchette. It was spelling out Caitlin's name. They, being dumb teenagers, continued on against Caitlin's pleas. They asked for a sign that there was actually a spirit there that they were communicating with, and it wasn't one of them swaying the planchette. They got the response, three minutes. So they waited three minutes. At this point in their story, I have actual tears coming out of my eyes, but naturally I tell them to go on. Three minutes go by, they don't hear anything. Nothing fell off of a bookshelf like they imagined, and no one felt a gust of wind or some type of chill. They figured it was just all in their imaginations until Alberto points to Caitlin's legs. There were three large red claw marks, as if some type of animal raised right above her kneecap. I feel like most scratches or paranormal things come in sets of in three. Threes. Like it's three like a taps. demon claw. Three scratches, yeah. Which is weird because three is my lucky number. But yeah, you're right. A lot of times when it comes with scratches and whatnot, it's like three and yeah, everything. Okay. So there were three large red claw marks raised above her right, raised right above her kneecap. An honest oh explanation gosh. is that Caitlin had a yellow lab that could have easily done this sometime before that night, but they were adamant that these were fresh markings. Sarah said they promptly said goodbye and stopped playing since Caitlin was shaken up. She put the board back in the box and stored it on the top of the shelf of her closet, and they went about the rest of their night. Sarah said she woke up from a deep sleep that night with a start and turned on her bedroom light, and what she saw made her stomach drop. Her room was in complete disarray. She said her trash can had been dumped out all over the floor. Her laundry basket had been turned over. The piles of clothes on her dresser were toppled, and the closet door was cracked open. Man, now I wish I closed my closet. Oh, gosh. She didn't even hesitate to wake Alberto up and book it out of her room. They slept in the living room that night. Anywho, the next day, Sarah is still a little shaken and decides she's going to take the Ouija board to her mom's house instead of having it where she stays regularly at her dad's. Just go and... Give the demons to your mom. Good call, Sarah. Uh, 
She put it in the trunk of her car and got ready to go, but she said she forgot something in her house and she ran back inside. When she came back, she grabbed her phone that was sitting in the cup holder in the front and went to dial her mom's number. Before she could do that, she saw punched into the screen six 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 no. six just a load of sixes no oh yeah my gosh nope. i'm so uncomfortable right now <laughs> what believe what you will but i just can't make this shiz up the story was the first time i felt a sinister intention from a spirit and will always be my point of reference whenever anyone wants to p- play wants to do ouija board nope 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 Anywho, hope you enjoyed this cautionary tale. Just leave the Ouija board where it belongs in the box on the shelf unopened. See you on the other side, Maris. Is Caitlin okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, I met her friend Caitlin. Caitlin's fine. Nothing bad happened to Caitlin. I... So without knowing about owls and the signs that they bring, Alberta would not have been able to make that call and maybe something terrible would have happened in elfin forest that night wow yeah i oh my i don't have words my body my body is frozen i know it's very crazy and i this is why i wanted to do the omen episode because i wanted to do i wanted to read marissa's story Because I was like, this is so good, and there's so many different, like, aspects of the story, so many different things that we can pull from, just owls and omens and Ouija boards and haunted forests and everything. I actually have a really good listener story as well about omens. Okay, can I just say one last thing before we move on? Yeah. While I was doing my research, I came across an article, a news article of – it, it included pictures of villagers in Mexico that were burning a trapped owl. They captured this poor innocent oh. owl. Oh, my God. It was – I'm going to, like, throw up. It was really, really scarring. Um, but basically, they captured this owl and put it in a cage and was burning its feathers and yelling at it, calling it a witch and asking it to <gasps> expose itself and all this stuff. That's so terrible. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> This is so heartbreaking. I want to say that, number one, be careful what you click on when you're doing this type of research. And number two, do like just don't hurt animals. My God. But also, yeah, and like, sure, maybe it might be associated with bad omens, but clearly it's a warning more than it is a bad omen. It's like it warned in Marissa's story. It warned those kids to get out of there and protected – and saved their, one of their lives. Yes. That owl was not a witch, and I really hope those people were prosecuted. So it's fine to believe whatever you want, but the second that your beliefs start In, yeah. harming others, both yeah. people and animals, you really need to, like, check yourself. And also, honestly, if for those people, if they captured that owl and tortured that owl and probably ended up killing that owl because they believed it to be a witch. But I'm sorry. Let's revisit history. When have witches ever been actually captured? Most of the time, you find out that it was just innocent people. If it was actually a witch, you're not going to catch it. Yeah. That was just an owl just trying to go about his life. An innocent creature. So, yeah. 
Anyway, that's owls. They can be both good and bad luck. So depending on where you are, seeing them might mean something different. People may have seen, because I included it on our Instagram story, that my grandma is binge listening to Girls One Ghost right now. Because my dad got her set up on Spotify, so now she's, like, cruising through. And my grandpa said that every time he goes into the next room, like, whatever room she's in, it's playing in the background. (laughs) I love that. And now my grandma is getting into the ghost world with us. Uh, Do they have any ghost stories they should tell us? I should ask them. You should. Everyone should ask their family members. I bet I bet you someone has a ghost story that they're not telling you. My uncle has one. It's pretty scary. We we should do like a family. Episode, yeah, an episode where we tell our family ghost stories. We should. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So, I have a listener story that is from Carissa and it's titled Hungry Ghost Festival Visitation. So she says, Hi, lovely ladies. A bit of backstory. Where I am from, we celebrate this thing called the Hungry Ghost Festival. It's an annual celebration that runs the whole eighth month of the Chinese calendar. You can look it up for more information, but the usual sight to see are temple parades, people burning hell money, incense, and paper offerings to loved ones. Note, this is important for my story later. People observe taboos like not going out after a certain time of night, not wearing certain colors, or doing things like moving houses that entire month. Fun fact, my birthday on the Chinese calendar falls during this month, and my late great-grandmother used to tell me that I was born in a bad storm with lightning flashing as my first cries were heard, just as the gates of hell opened to let the spirits out. Hmm. Our family has always been a bit sensitive to the supernatural, but I have no idea whether she had been telling the truth or not. I still got red packets of money for my Chinese calendar birthday in addition to my birthday on the normal calendar, so it didn't matter to child me. Anyways, my story happened when I was around 11 or 12. I grew up in a predominantly Chinese-Malaysian neighborhood. Though I was brought up Christian, some of my immediate and extended family practiced different faiths, and as such, it was a norm during this month for our family to have an ash pile of our own alongside our neighbors as our houses didn't always have a place to burn it. I was walking with my sister and aunt to our tutor's house, and being the little shit I was, I saw a pile of ash, and I told my sister to kick it. She did, and I tried to scare her by saying that she would be visited that night. Oh my gosh. She freaked out and started to cry. Our aunt turned to us and told me I would be the one visited instead. I shrugged it off and didn't believe her. You need to understand, adults used to try to freak us out all the time by saying that demons, ghosts, and all manner of shadow people would come to visit us if we misbehaved, so I took her words with a grain of salt. At that time, I was still sharing a room with my sister. So that night, we went to bed as usual, but in the middle of the night while I was sleeping, I felt a heavy pressure on my chest like someone was sitting on it. I couldn't move. I felt like I was being deliberately held down. Something had pried my mouth open, and the pressure in my throat was like fingers being jammed down it. (gasps) The old hag. I was choking, and I couldn't breathe. I opened my eyes, and nothing was there. I tried calling out to my sister in the bed next to mine, but I couldn't get the syllables out. I knew I was going to die if I didn't do anything. So I began to pray the Lord's Prayer in my head over and over again until the thing left me. But before it did, it told me that next time, 
I won't be so lucky. My sister woke up to me crying, and later, years later, she told me that my eyes, for a blink of a second, were red and then normal <gasps> again. What? Oh, what? Oh, my God. Till this day, during the Hungry Ghost Festival month, I am at my most superstitious. I observe all the taboos and all the rituals, despite it being generally frowned upon by my Christian upbringing. I have other spooky tales. After that incident, in addition to increased paranoia during the month, it is like a door opened in me that is never really fully shut. I don't like sleeping in the dark and always keep a light source on. I have experienced premonitions of family members dying, the most notable of which was my great-grandmother. I am regularly, regularly visited by deceased family members in my dreams. Even though my family is really open to all of these things, they sometimes have trouble believing in me. So since then, I need to sleep alone because my night terrors have gotten to the point where I have woken people up with conversations that I have had in my sleep and from crying. My best friend who used to room with me told me that once I was crying in pain one night and she freaked out. She asked me what was wrong and I told her I had been stabbed and I was bleeding. She woke me up to only to have me tell her I don't remember anything of what I said and I was fine. I have had entire conversations with people only to have no recollection about them. I have woken up in the middle of the night feeling the, with the feeling of eyes watching me and I can't sleep in total darkness. It makes for, makes for difficult sleepovers at other people's houses. She doesn't think she has seen the hag from her first from that first night since, but she believes it's because her late great grandmother said she would handle it after her grandmother great grandmother had heard the story. I remember her making me take a hot bath in water and herbs, but growing up, I had a lot of baths like this, so I like to think she took care of it. I never asked what she did because my aunt, the same one who was with us that day, told me never to ask. Great-grand and I were close, and after she passed on, she has visited me a couple times. I know she is there when I smell her snake brand prickly heat cooling powder. It is comforting to know that she is looking out for me. Then I mentioned some of my university residences were haunted. The first one I was in, I always woke up at 4.44 in the morning. And the number four in Chinese is considered an unlucky number because of the too similar pronunciation to the Chinese word for death. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But I had always smelt her powder, so she I knew she was there to guard me against anything that was trying to harm me. So it's like her great-grandmother took care of this spirit and is still doing so in her afterlife. That's crazy because it does sound – it sounds like something happened where she was able to, like, channel the spirits and they were mm -hmm. able to move inside of her and say or do things when they pleased. Yeah. Which is terrifying. So I'm glad her grandmother is taking care of her. Great-grandmother. She says, as a general rule, she doesn't watch horror movies or go drinking out in the historic district of my city because she, a fae, tried to kidnap her once there. Uh, thanks for making Mondays at work more enjoyable. I usually have you girls on while I work and listen to your voice. Listening to your voices is very soothing. Regards from Malaysia, Carissa. But wow. isn't that crazy? Yeah, she had a lot the of stuff. The waking up happened. and having fingers down her throat. Oh, oh. And then and her eyes like, were red. Yeah, I was going to say it's one thing to maybe – because you could maybe try to write that off and say like, oh, well, it was just, you know, your your body or your mind confusing itself and right. thinking that that was a thing. But when you have a witness saying your eyes were red, something was happening. 
And I mean, it goes back to taunting ghosts or spirits. If you have all of these superstitions, such as leaving piles of ash outside your house during this month because spirits are more active and you kick it or you taunt them or you try to mess with them, mm-hmm. they're going to target you. So everyone just stay in your own little bubble and behave. I have one listener story. It's quick. Okay. This is from Rebecca. She said, Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. I never thought I'd be writing about my shadow person. I've been able to sense spirits since I was young, so knowing they were around never really bothered me until I got older, that is. One day when I was in my early 20s, I caught sight of something I had never seen before. A tall black figure out of the corner of my eye. This thing scared the crap out of me. He didn't pay attention to me, though, which I was very grateful for. Fast forward three or four days, and unfortunately, my grandma passed away suddenly. I didn't think any more about the black figure. Well, I did see this thing again, and again. Someone passed away a few days later. This was becoming scarier and scarier. I hoped every day not to see him again, but alas, I have. One afternoon, I was washing my front windows and happened to look across the street, and I see the shadow man walk right into an elderly friend's home. I just stared. Unfortunately, this time, he stopped and he saw me. He, too, stared for what seemed like forever, but it was was most likely moments. Mm. This was the first time he realized I could see him. Creepily, he touched his hat. Hat man. He touched his hat and dipped his head to acknowledge me. No. Thank God he didn't stop in my friend's house. He stopped at, at the house a few doors down. Yes, now I know when someone is going to go to the other side, family, friends, and strangers. Still creeps me out to this day. I haven't seen him since my dad passed away a few years ago. Keep ghosting, Rebecca. Whoa. Which the hat man is, he has been associated with death. Yeah. And seeing him is considered a bad omen. And she well, she sees him. It almost makes me wonder if because the belief of death coming out of clocks, I wonder if because that's such an antiquated thing and people don't really have old clocks or antique clocks anymore, he just has to manifest in physical shape now. Yeah, it could be. And it also made me wonder because she mentioned his hat and that he's a shadow figure or shadow person it made me wonder when people think that they see the grim reaper if actually it's the hat man but because it comes right before death people are like oh it was the grim reaper but what we don't realize is or vice versa they might be the same person yeah they could be the same person or the same entity yeah or there's multiple multiple hat hat mans but isn't that crazy? It's like the first few times he didn't even realize that she could see him. Yeah. And then once they might eye contact, he was like, gave the tip of the hat. I'm like, hello. Nice to see you. Oh, I, you know, I wouldn't want, I don't think anyone would wish to be able to see that. I mean, it's definitely a gift to be no. able to, and maybe it prepares you a little bit better for when there is going to be death. But I'm just picturing, like, what if he walked up to you? Like, it's your turn? Yeah, and then you have a few days of waiting, trying to figure out what's going to happen. 
Omens, man. There are good uh, omens, too. We just chose not to focus on them. <laughs> we chose to talk all about the bad ones. Maybe because we'll do that's a positive just one. scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the thing I'm scared of this week, I always let my gas tank go down to like... You absolutely should never do that because I, well, you're yes. working against yourself in the event that there is an emergency. Right, and I really did this... I got myself in a terrible situation yesterday where uh-huh. I pulled up to the gas station and did not have my wallet. <gasps> Ooh. And I was stranded. But then I called my coworker who listens to the podcast and she actually made her a logo. So Anne saved my life yesterday. Thank you, Anne. And now I know to just keep my wallet on me all the time and not be an idiot. Yeah, or keep, like, 20 bucks in your car, just, like, in the yeah, center console smart. in case of emergencies. That's smart. What are you scared of? I don't know. It's hard for me to think of what I'm scared of. Because It's hard for me to think. It's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> honestly just hard to think right now. But I was thinking earlier about how, like, for the first time, I love everybody that I work with. They're so easy. My um, landlord's amazing. Like, I just – everything just seems to be going so smoothly right now. So I guess what I fear is that <laughs> something will happen because they say when it rains, it pours. Right. But what's the opposite of that? If everything's going well, something's got to come crashing down soon. But you right? just went through a storm. That's true. But I just mean, like, in life. Like, I – am enjoying myself as much as i'm like stressed out with other things good you froze yes i did so did you did i make a whoosh noise again no you were fine maybe i should be scared of that i'm scared that the mothman is going to do something to chicago i mentioned this before to you sabrina but i didn't keep it in the the podcast episode but Ali Wong, Baby Cobra. It's a stand-up special on Netflix. It's absolutely hilarious. And I haven't started it. You recommended it to me. I said, I'm not convinced. And then, like, seven other people have told me this week to watch The End End of the Fucking World. Also on Netflix. You and Nick both do this. Because I work in TV, I feel like I'm constantly (laughs) recommending TV shows. And... It's not until, like, a third or fourth person will recommend it to them, to you or Nick, (laughs) that you're like, oh, my God, have you heard of this show? It sounds really good. I'm sorry that I didn't take your recommendation. All right. Well, for 60% off of uh, your first order of Lola, go to mylola.com and enter the promo code TGOG at checkout. Rate and review us on iTunes. We have Facebook page that you can like a facebook group that you can join which is private so don't worry anything that you post or comment on will not show up in your news feed to all your friends um we've got twitter we've got instagram and we have an email two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and that is where you should send your stories if you want them to potentially be read on the podcast yes please email them to us all right you guys We will see you you on the other other side. side.